Hello and welcome back to the F24 podcast. My name is David and each week, as I'm sure you know, I invite a creative over to my studio in North Acton to talk about their lives and interactions with London, culture and creativity. I needed that break. Things got a bit on top in the studio. My project list at the minute is really overwhelming. It's all great stuff, but Jesus is busy. And it's going to be like this for the rest of the year, so please bear with me. I've still got an amazing list of guests lined up, so I'm going to keep it going and you lot keep enjoying. This week, a London OG, a London legend, a Londoner's Londoner, John Z D. It was so good seeing John Z again. We hung out for a straight month in summer some 14 years ago. We bumped into each other and chatted over the years, but having him come round, take a seat on the sofa and have a chat, man. I've been wanting to have this one since the autumn after we hung out, and especially now doing this podcast, and also having a bit more age behind me. Brilliant having John Z round. For those of you that don't know, John Z D and the hip-hop culture in the UK go hand in hand. He was there at the start, he's experienced it all. He's met and became friends with the greatest and got inspired to start a new branch of the culture with his hip-hop theatre and also his years of putting on breaking convention. Culture runs through his veins and he spreads the love throughout the whole world. We have an amazing conversation. We hear a lot about his history and come up and how he made his decisions and what made him make those decisions. And we talk a lot around the culture itself, its effects, its history, its future. Dope conversation. Amazing having him round. You know I'm loving this. Enjoy it. This is F24. Johnsy, thank you, man. Absolute pleasure. Amazing to be sitting with you again after all these years. Yes. How long has it been? Over 10, right? It could be 14 years. <gasps> it was 2004, I think. We still look the same. We both exactly the same, haven't aged a bit. Haven't aged a bit. We've bumped into each other a couple of times in town, which is what we love London for. You see our friends out there. But we haven't had a chance to sit down, man. And, you know, since I started doing this recording and chatting to people from from our city, you've been on my list of time. We've been talking about it for ages. So, yeah, having you in the room. Really fucking happy, man. <laughs> Quite Same here, man. Same here. Because, um, you know, if we take it back a little bit, you know, we met um, working on a TV show, right? Yeah, the mad. And where did our culture bring us? To a TV show. Yeah. For us to meet on a TV show. That's how much culture's amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. What a crazy place the, to have met. I mean, the thing is, the premise of that TV show, for all those that don't know, it was faking it. Yeah. And um, it was based in... Brighton. Yeah, Brighton and a bit of London. Yeah. A bit of London. Yeah. And um, we were looking at um, a history of art student. That's right, James Sawyer. James Sawyer and turning him into a graffiti writer. Getting him to fake it. I mean, what does that even mean? Because graffiti writers, what do they look like? What do they Most of like? the time, we just don't know. This right? is it. it well, I'll tell you what they played on was the stereotypical. And, that, and you know what? Even the producers, I think we amazed them with the story and how it, how it happened and how it changed and evolved, yes. probably the word. Because yeah. that was, it was very touching, man. And that program, I think, was, a, you know, a slight bit of genius. But I think our interaction on that program he was from such a different world, yeah. such yeah. a different world. Yeah. And for me, I was 24, yeah. I'm, I was still a kid. Yeah. So I hadn't really met anyone like that properly. I'd been in Brighton a few years, but I hadn't met anyone like that. Yeah. After that programme, I literally thought, everyone needs to have that experience. Yeah. Let's everyone swap, just a week. 
Obviously, it can't happen, but I was, it was so impactful. It opened my eyes to the rich and that side of the world and my prejudgments of them and all that type of stuff. And I'm sure for Jay, well, it, Jay, it changed his life yeah. like, and his outlook and all that. Amazing. Absolutely. And, um, and also, I mean, just running it to today, mm-hmm. yeah, um, that's fundamentally what my job is right now. Mad. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's how do we demystify what hip hop culture is, yeah. and how do we put it into a different context? Yeah. You know what I mean, away from the the observation of of the daily mail type media that's only going to run us down and slag us off. Do you know what I mean? Saying that, then, so how do you feel about the word youth when it comes to hip hop and culture, and the fact that they term youth culture? That, that's the thing. Oh, it's apparently it's a youth culture. Well, it's. It's not realistic. No. Um, if people are aware that this culture started in nineteen seventy, early nineteen seventies, in, in mm. Bronx, then there's people like me that have been into it since the age of thirteen. When I was a youth, mm. I am now forty nine years old, dude. Do you mm. know what I mean? And mm. How long are we going to keep calling this exactly. culture yeah. a youth culture? Yeah, and disrespecting it and ourselves. Yes. I don't, I, I never put those two, I, I question that term on the mm. podcast, but I never say, ah, oh, you, never, never. I won't even say it now. Yeah, yeah. It's culture. Absolutely. And this this is part of the, the problem, the Daily Mail, you know, view on the thing is, yeah. oh, these mad people, why don't they? Yeah. Come on, man. This is the biggest and most explosive, fastest moving, biggest, inc- like, so in- like inclusive for everyone culture the world's ever seen. Absolutely. We've never seen this happen in world history. Never. It, and, you know, big respect to every other cultural movement that's run through the planet, but mm. this art movement in this culture has, mm. has been never, never anything as powerful as this. That's right. That's yeah. right. Um, and, yeah, I'd, I'd say that throughout my whole life that's been the case, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, Where did it start? So, I was born in East London, Bow. Wicked. And I was, I am the last of six kids. Wow, okay. So, being the youngest, you've got to be loud. You've got to let people know that you exist, right? (laughs) So, I grew up in a West Indian family. My parents were into um, Calypso and gospel music. So, those were my two house things. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, I'd say that my brothers and sisters, they're very... Every single one of them performed in one way or another. Um, my brother Jim was an actor and he wrote plays. Um, one, two of my brothers was in a marching band. Um, all of them danced in some capacity. Um, and I feel like I absorbed all of that culture. In the 70s, it was pretty much about reggae yeah. boys and soul boys. And my brothers and sisters were a mixture of those two camps, should okay. we say. So for me, growing up, listening to what they were into, and then all of a sudden seeing on TV, it was a documentary. Um, I can't remember the name of it. It was on Arena. Yeah, remember Arena, yeah. Um, And this was the first time I've seen breaking um, hip-hop culture, um, and I couldn't believe it. I saw the footwork that the Rocksteady crew were doing yeah. in front of a massive wild star. And I just remember saying to myself, wow, that's the future. I suppose, did it also, having five older brothers and sisters, 
um, quite crowded, quite there's a lot of pressure, and so if their music's playing through the house or in their rooms, whatever it is, it's a con- and it's theirs, it's theirs, it's theirs. And so you grow up, yeah, I get it, soul reggae, soul reggae, I get it, and then you see this thing, you're like. I can choose this. That's mine. That's mine. That belongs to me. Exactly. Because yeah. my brothers ain't going to try and spin on their heads. Yeah. <laughs> They're not doing that. They're not doing that. <laughs> this is something that 13, 14 year old kids do. Yeah. And that's how old, how old I was Brilliant. at the time. So, you know, for me, there was an ownership. Also, hip hop was a fusion mm. yes. of soul and reggae yeah. anyway. So it made it futuristic. You, you were in it, you were seeing these two worlds, yes. and then all of a sudden you're offered this merge yes. of the two, and you're like, yes, I'm young, this is for us, this is the future. Well, to be fair, when I was nine, ten years old, that was when I first heard Rapper's Delight. Mm. So that, in a way, was my first experience of the hip-hop culture, yeah. and listening to music that reminded me of reggae music in that they were speaking fast over the rhythm. Yeah. But the rhythm wasn't a reggae rhythm, it was a disco rhythm at yeah. the time. And also they were spitting with an American accent. Which you so, had Do you know what I mean? So that was just some fresh stuff for me. <laughs> um, but no, I have to say, in them early days, it was very clearly a holistic culture. Because yeah. we got the culture almost ready, already packed. Yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so for me and neatly and tidily as well neatly and tidily because it was just a sapling at the time really it's quite in terms of the tree we've got of it now it was a yeah but the thing is everybody did everything back then yeah yeah? for some reason we felt as though I'm talking 1980 to 83 we felt as though we had to do a bit of graffiti we had to try and rhyme we had to dance and if you were able to get decks you had to try something you know what I mean yeah um, was it like this for your for your friends yeah, as well around the area? All of us. Yeah, all that of us. That was it. We yeah. all discovered hip hop the same way, and okay. we all tried everything. Yeah. Obviously, naturally, you find that you're you lean towards one of the yeah. the, the forms. You know what I mean? Um, graffiti. You know, I was hopeless at. You know what I mean? If anything, I did get up quite a bit <laughs> in bow. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And you, back in in nineteen eight twenty three, you'll see Kazo. Yes. Everywhere. Kazo was called K A Z O. Wicked. And it came from Picasso and it was all that kind of Wicked thing. art reference. Yeah, you know. Lovely. Um, but you know, that lasted for about six months, I think. Yeah. I was just getting up. Um, Pentel then, pens and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Pentel, oh my goodness. <laughs> Taking me back. And there was this one place in St. Paul's. Yeah. Where we used to go there regularly and just rob and, <laughs> and just, yeah. yeah. So um but I felt that for me the dance side of it uh-huh. was what I really got into. Um and funny enough, you know, I don't think I was the best b-boy in the world, you know what I mean? But the passion for it was really strong. Um and when I was in secondary school, we had dance on the curriculum. Whoa. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to choose this. Mm. And it was basically contemporary dance, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but it was my way of finding hip-hop in an institutional context, you know what I mean? I wonder as well, if you, at a young age, had noticed these two musical things, sounds that you've grown up with, soul and reggae, and then you see this merge within hip-hop, 
And so then you know, oh, right, cool, so hip-hop appropriates in places. Yes. I don't think you think this at 15, yeah. but I wonder if those thoughts go on in our brains. Where, and so you get offered that dance course and you're like, okay, I like dance, hip-hop. Maybe there's some appropriation that can happen here and some learning that I can bring back to my thing. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? The, yeah. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Because yeah, obviously I had to worry about peer pressure. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. I'm thinking you've made a real decision here and against other things. Yeah. And it's a bit weird, right? Yeah. You know I mean, You're taking dance, Johnsy. Really? Dude, dance, you know. Brilliant. Serious, brother. You're dressing in tights, man. <laughs> yeah. You got pimsoles on. You got not even, bro. We wearing barefoot. We running about. You're gonna step in shit, mate. What are you doing? You know. So basically, um, but I didn't give a shit, yeah. quite frankly. Yeah, good. And mainly, it was because my friends gave me support. Brilliant. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't. They even got like, it. They they had to do it anyway. That was all part of the same dance mm. school. Mm. And if anything, the fact that I chose dance meant that I spent more time with girls. And when you're 13, 14, that's a good thing to exactly, do. Exactly, yeah. I mean? Without it being too awkward. And, uh, you're just there with them. <laughs> yeah. I haven't got to ask anything. No, I haven't got to say, do you want to meet me at the park? No, you're no, in my classroom. Yeah. <laughs> we roll it like yeah, exactly. that. Exactly, that's how it is. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, I mean... I learned a lot in that time period because, to be honest with you, I did keep it really separate mm -hmm. when I started to, I guess, get a name. Yeah? Right. I started working with um, MC Mellow. Yeah. And the reason why that happened was because Sparky Ski, who was the producer at the time, mm -hmm. um, a friend of mine called Thad, yeah. everybody that knows Thad out there, he used to work with various record labels as a DJ. But he gave my number to Sparky Ski. Sparky Ski calls me trying to speak to somebody else, but he got the wrong number. So he's like, oh, uh, yeah, um, uh, do you want to come around? So I was like, yeah, I'd love to. So I ended up going around to Sparky's house. This is like 1989 or something like that, maybe 1988. Knocked on his door. All of a sudden, MC Mellow answers the door. And at the time, that MC could do no wrong. Nothing. You know what I mean? Because he was conscious, he was funny, he knew how to hold a mic, he had enough styles for days. And yeah, he answered the door. And I didn't know what to do. I was a bit shook, you know, a bit yeah. starstruck and stuff. And Taken I remember, unaware. Uh, Taken unaware. Yeah. Uh, what? what? I expected to see <laughs> the god of yeah. rap. You know what I mean? <laughs> anyway. He bust one joke, I can't remember what it was, but it was just something really stupid and silly, which made me realise that he's a human being. Brilliant. And I think since that moment, you know, he's been my bona fide friend throughout the whole of this Amazing. life that I've lived. lived. Um, anyway, so I started working with MC Mellon and Sparky. What, what were you working with on? What was it on sounds or like? Music. Yeah. Um, I was recording, I was MCing with Sparky Ski. Brilliant. Um, simultaneously, I'm going to contemporary dance school, mm -hmm. yeah. And the last thing I wanted them to know was that I was wearing tights and doing classical ballet yeah. during the day, yeah. Because I just met these guys, I yeah. Don't know yeah what you can't think about that, yeah. I don't know you enough to know this, <laughs> you, you yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, I'm like, whatever, and I'll never forget. Um, somehow, MC Mellow found out. 
And I remember it was a one dance and he put his arms in this position like a flipping ballet dance. What? Chonzi! Uh, you do this and uh, <laughs> Taking a piss. Uh, but I didn't mind that. The worst <laughs> one was when I was in the white club. Yeah. And Rodney P come bowling over to me, stands in my face <laughs> and goes, Jonesy, I heard that you do contemporary dance and all that. And at the point I was like, nah, this is it, man. This is it. It's I'm out on it. now. It's now. It's on. So I just said, yeah, that's what I do. Yeah. Then he looked at me and went, respect, you know, Jonesy. <laughs> I didn't know you was into that thing, you know, blood. But yeah, man, wicked. Let me know next time you're performing. I was like, oh, yes, that was it, man. I'm allowed now. Sick, sick, complete cosign. I'm done. Yeah, cosign. Done yeah, now. Yeah, you know no mean? one can say a word. Rodney's no, in. No, for once, Rodney P. Come on, man. I'm good. At the wag. At the wag. Come on. Remember that club? Yeah, well, I'm too young, unfortunately, but I've heard loads about it. Yeah, amazing place. So. The um the meeting of of um, Mello and that, had you seen him perform? Had you heard the tapes? I like... heard him on Westwood. Wicked. That was it. Yeah. Um, I don't think I'd even seen him perform at that point. Um, but he was a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. 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 Name was out there. Yeah. The name was out there. Um, you know the 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 affiliates was there. You know he was working with one of the best DJs around at the time. Big up DJ Pogo all day. All day. Um, and you know, he was working with Sparky Ski, Sparky Ski was already working with London Posse making beats for them, so it was all around a, a, a legitimate set of people, you know what I mean? And where were you rapping and rhyming? I was in both, yeah, East London, and then doing it, and it was just friend of a friend said, You got need to hook up, that was it, amazing. I wasn't even looking no stardom, I wasn't trying to yeah. get record deal or none of that, do you know what I mean? I used to just write my lyrics with my friends. And it was my girl at the time who said to me, you know, you've got all these good lyrics and you're just doing it for your friends. You should get out there yeah. a little bit more, you know what I mean? So, yeah, that was how it happened. Was, it? Um, and so, how did school finish? Like So, I ended up going, so I did three A-levels, government, politics, sociology and economics which, as soon as I left school. Yeah, yeah, amazing. I had this intention of doing law and doing a law degree. Right. I was basically wanting to keep the family happy. Yeah. And halfway through that, I realized that education, it wasn't education, it was just memorizing books. Mm. Yeah. And it was different to my secondary school education where I do think we were actually learning stuff and mm. our own minds were being stimulated. But doing A levels, it didn't feel like that. Yeah. And I ended up just dropping out. It just didn't ignite anything. It was. Didn't do shit for me, to no. be honest with you. Um, and that was a bit of a weird time period because that was when drugs yeah. started to really become a thing. And um, I'll never forget a friend of mine putting some crack rocks in my hand and just saying, Jonesy, you want to make money? This is the way. Because at the time, I'd already left college. Yeah. I was just on road at the time, hustling, yeah. just trying to get pennies. Figure out what's next. You know what I mean? All of that. So he put that in my hand and I was like you know what I had to make a decision now mm. and it wasn't going to be that mm. so from that point I just thought what do I like okay dance was what I was into in school so that was the reason why I chose to go Lewisham College Foundation course for two years did really well there went to London Contemporary Dance School for three years I mean top dance school yeah, yeah? 
Um, and that was when I started to realise what my purpose was. Uh, it's know? amazing, that little that little time. Because a lot of people fall at that hurdle because yeah. we, don't, we very rarely think of a future at that age. Mm. We don't think about... We're thinking about maybe lunchtime, if it's the morning, and we're thinking about dinner, maybe night. You might be thinking about through to the following day, but not really to the end of the week. You're definitely not thinking about next year. And when that turns up, what money? That means I've got this, 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 and this this week. And if I do it again, fuck it, I'm running that way. Yeah. It's a and you know, it's a very, very it's an important time in some people's lives when they I mean entertain. I saw my good friend, um, his life just completely fucked up as a result of that. Mm. He ended up on the product that he was selling, he ended up robbing X amount yeah. of houses and yeah. stuff. Um, he was on the run for a while. He spent some time in jail. Mm. He ended up having to leave the country because there were too many people that wanted him. So I'm watching that lifestyle. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm glad that I, I dodged that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Literally. 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 And literally in that world. Literally. Oh. Amazing. So falling like, yes, I know exactly what I want to be. I know where I want to go. The education. Sorry, parents, I can't do this lawyer's thing. I can't do this solicitor thing. It's well, dance. It's my... To be fair, my parents weren't even around at the time. Oh, right. Um, my dad had bounced when I was 13. My okay. mum passed away when I was 17. Oh, very. You know I mean? Sorry, man. I don't know. I mean, yeah. I mean, such is life. Yeah. You know what I mean? yeah. Such is death, actually. Such is death, yeah. And, um, but I have to say that I was able to make my own decisions. Because mm. prior to that, my parents, you know, I love my parents. And a lot of my decisions were set around what they wanted for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but when they both passed away, when I um, realised that I couldn't, didn't want to be a crack dealer, um, and then I made my own choice to do dance. Um, and from there, I think my life just took a trajectory mm. of going upwards and across the whole flipping world and the universe of this culture. And I'll tell you why. Because... After training in London Contemporary Dance School, I realised that we were already doing contemporary dance. Because hip-hop is contemporary. Yeah, it's future. Right, yeah. And I'm, I'm, we're, we're studying dance, but just as a group of friends, mm. like learning and finding moves. And I think myself, that's what I was doing in dance college. Yeah. You know what I mean? Same thing, yeah. You know? So, um... I remember in 1994, um, I started getting involved in the spoken word uh, performance poetry scene. Big up man like Charlie Dark. Big up Charlie. All up in there, Moax label, yeah. all that stuff, you know what I mean? Um, but we had a crew called UPS, uh-huh. Urban Poet Society. He spoke about it. Right, see it Charlie spoke about it. UPS. We deliver. Yes. You know what I, mean? <laughs> I don't know if he sold you. I was in the crew as well. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, I was in that crew and it was a departure from the hardcore rap that I was doing. Yeah. So I had that influence. I had the hardcore rap and I had the contemporary dance, the theatre influence. And I basically pulled all of those together and created my first show um, called Lyrical Theatre. Mm. Theatre spelled F-E-A-R-T-A. And it was a fusion of basically 
hip-hop ideology. And at the time, hip-hop, well, for me, hip-hop will always be a conscious thing, um, a means by which we can share our our political views, yeah. you know what I mean? Um, you know, I grew up in the generation of public enemy, Karis mm. um, one X-Clan. Statement. So I'm so for me, rap is a tool of um, activism. Mm. You know what I mean, but I felt as though hip hop was changing. I remember when NWA first came out, and it was almost like NWA, Public Enemy. It was almost as though the industry was playing them against each other as ideas. Yeah. And I feel as though NWA almost replaced Public Enemy as an idea and then just started pushing this gangster rap thing. The sound changed. The vibe changed. I didn't want nothing to do with that. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard other people say that. Yeah. It, yeah. Of that time. It was just like, this is not what I yeah. signed up for. This is, I've been doing this, whatever, eight years. This isn't what we've been into. Yeah. It must have been nuts. So obviously, I've... I grew into it. Right. You know what I mean? 93, 92, 93, Snoop and all that type of shit. Mm-hmm. My first real experiences of it. So I didn't have anything to market against. Right. I obviously learned that was something to market against. But yeah. that's what I grew into. I can imagine it must have been nuts to hear this, like, hang on one second. What? Yeah. Why? I thought we were teaching each other. Yes. Yeah. So, so at that point, I realised that, um, that the only way we can control the voice is if we control the voice. Mm. I, I could see at that time. Also, MC Mello had a horrible, horrible time with the record labels yeah. he was working with. Do you know what I mean? And I heard the album. It was a dope album and they shelved that shit for, for indefinitely, basically. Do you know what I mean? Um, so all of these experiences were pushing me towards how else can I enjoy this culture? How can I produce with this culture? With... Um... What were your, <clears throat> like, personal thoughts about the culture? Like, so going through with your dad leaving and then later on your mum going, and you having been in this culture for five years by then, seven years, six years, and then making the decisions you made, you know, dance college and all that type of stuff, did you, did you feel that safety within, that, within the culture and it was a definite reason to take it along with you because it stayed constant? Mm. I wonder. For me, um, I invested, invested a lot of my creative time mm. in hip-hop. That's it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I knew that there was going to be some payback. Brilliant. How? You know I mean? How, though? Well, it was just because, a feeling. Well, I knew because I had something fresh to offer the table. Yeah. You know what I mean? Brilliant. I could see that hip-hop was going down as gaps, the thing. Mm-hmm. I could also see that it was becoming about image. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Captain Sensible sung it ages ago. Video killed the radio yeah. star. And as soon as the image started to become more important than the music, I said to myself, right, I disabled for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And if anything, the image of rap, and or the image of hip-hop, I should say, um, I wanted to look at what that meant theatrically. Do you know what I mean? So... I turned my whole back on the idea of recording and just started focusing on lyrical theatre. What does it mean 
to use my rap lyrics in a theatrical context. I started working with hip-hop dancers, b-boys and stuff to try to um, animate some of the ideas that I had written down. Um, The first show that I did was Aeroplane Man. Um, I did that in collaboration with a popper from Manchester called Benji Reed. Um, After that, I did a piece called um, Silence the Bitching. Um, And basically, I just did a load of these little vignettes that that made up this show, Lyrical Theatre. I ended up scoring that to America and a couple of places around Europe. This was definitely a massive first for the culture. Yeah. yeah. This mix hadn't happened. It had not happened. This appropriation of, you know... The, the, the only person that was doing it simultaneously, and I wasn't aware of it until after the fact, was a guy called Rennie Harris. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a company called Pure Movement and they were based in Philadelphia. Oh, right, cool. So not here. No, definitely not here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I would also say that in France, they were definitely exploring hip-hop in the theatre as well. Okay. Um, I remember going to France in 97 at the Parc de la Villette and they had a big festival called Le Dans Urbain. Um And I remember seeing hip-hop in the theatre there at the time. Wicked. Um But even then, I was already doing it. Yeah, yeah, time, yeah. Thinking that I was alone doing yeah. it, you know? So um, after I did that show at the Oval House, that was in 1995, I realised that this was my USP. This was what's going to make me stand out in this world of hip-hop, you yeah. know what I mean? Because we need to take it to theatre. And also, theatre was devoid of any fresh, you know, yeah. relative stuff as well, do you yeah. know what I mean? It was still made up of contemporary dance or... Um, like old school African dance. So there was a massive gap there as well that could be filled. Massive. Yeah. Massive. Anyway, um, I ended up filling that gap. But after I did Aeroplane Man and I developed it into a two hour musical, um, I did the Queen Elizabeth Hall in 2000. No, in 1999. And I was invited, and, and I told the then head of dance in that space that we need to do a hip hop theater festival. Yeah, okay. he was like, "Oh, interesting." He ended up leaving and getting a job at Sadler's Wells. He called me and said, "Johnsy, that hip hop festival you're talking about, should we do it?" I said, "Yeah, let's get it done." Wicked. So, two thousand and four, basically with assistance from Bloomberg because we didn't have the money to do it. At first. The media agency. Yes, yeah. the media agency. And they just stumped up a whole load of cash Brilliant. and we were able to do it properly. Um, properly meaning... Shit, sorry. Woo! And the phone goes ring! Jesus. And all of you wonderful listeners... Amateur. Here, it was not mine. Man, it's amateur. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, I ended up getting Reddy Harris, Pure Movement, same guy I was talking about. Um, Benji Reed performed at that show as really? well. Um, the Electric Boogaloos from LA. Um, Tommy the Clown, um, Crump dancer. Yeah. Um, a group called the Vagabond Crew from um, France. Um, and Project Soul from Korea. Mm-hmm. So I was looking at the very best. And we got the very best. Okay. We ended up getting five-star reviews in all the broadsheets. We sold out. Um 
And since then, basically, we've been continuing every year. We celebrated our 15-year anniversary hell, man. this year. We've done seven national tours. We've done five international tours. Jesus. We've been to... The first gig was the Harlem Apollo, what? which is arguably the most famous theatre yeah. in the world. Um, since then, we've done Luxembourg. Um, we've done Canada. Um, we've done Denver. North Carolina, Miami, um, and I've Asia. No, we haven't done Asia yet. Okay, but that is definitely on the cards. And interestingly, India mm. is somewhere we're really interested in going because there's a real developing urban dance. Yeah, yeah, there, you yeah. Know what I mean? Building your um your peers over the years, then your people you've grown up with over the time. Like, how has it been watching them and their progressions whilst you're doing your thing and also on such a weird angle to them because you've known Rodney since the wag days yes yes amazing to see where Rodney's done and how he's gone but he for a long time he stayed within strictly hip hop yes, yes do you know what I mean so you watch this growth and you watch it with a lot of other people what was it like like seeing this start this happen like for them like at the wag and places like that and the graffiti writers like Pride you know the Graham Angels and that what was it like watching them over the years whilst you were growing in this direction as well? Did you see the difference in the worlds? Did you? Well, I, I always felt because what I was doing was a slight departure yeah. from quote unquote real hip hop. Mm. I was always looking out for these artists mm. for, I guess, some sense of legitimacy. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Um, so, for example for Breaking Convention, the first couple of years, I was hosting with MC Mellor. Brilliant. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, since we started doing a park jam um, about five years ago, six years ago now, um, I've been getting loads of MCs to be part of the whole experience, graffiti writers as well, mm. um, DJs within the context of a park jam. So it's not theatre no. but it's just straight back to the yeah. roots of the culture do you know what I mean and you're taking you're, you're bringing everyone up basically you've managed to pull that get this platform built yeah. and set and legitimised yeah. and other types of eyes looked at looking in on the culture and you, you're then bringing other people through to it yes yeah, amazing. absolutely and, and for me I'll take a quote from Steve Biko the okay. South African activist yep. he said the purpose of leadership is to create more leaders. Yes. Team done. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. So for me, I've really focused on that. As soon as I managed to get this platform, um, I've been doing less of my own performances mm -hmm. and writing my own plays and stuff. And I'm actually much more excited by being that guy that can give you that platform as a hip hop artist. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, there's not enough people like me in that position mm -hmm. to be able to put people on. So... Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a great, great place to be. So great that in 2012, mm. I was offered an MBE for my services to dance. Wow. As a result of running Breaking Convention. Wow. What happened with that? I turned it down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Respectfully, I mean, but... Or, I mean, or not. <laughs> maybe not respectfully. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so basically I've got this letter yeah. come through um, offering me the, this thing. Um, and 
the first question was, will you accept it? Mm. Click no. Mm-hmm. Second question, if you do, if you don't accept it, will you do so publicly or not? And I said, no, I'm not going to do it publicly. Mm. And it was a lot to do with that I didn't, I wasn't that confident about turning down this thing and having to be on Channel 4 News with some some cranky old colonial wanker trying to tell me I'm ungrateful and yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I was scared, to be mm. honest with you. That was until I started telling a couple people about it and they were like, Jonesy, what? They they offered you one of these teams, blood, and you turned it down, Bridget, man need to know this. <laughs> so I was like, ah, okay. And I thought, how can I do this? I was inspired to make a piece. So I ended up creating a solo in which I play six different characters, all speaking to me about my decision whether I'm going to take it or not. The point of views and so on. Their Different point of, point of views. Yeah. yeah. Um, it wasn't interesting for me just for me to talk yeah, about yeah. my point of view. Yeah. But um, what was better was the challenge of letting people know why I didn't want to take it and um, and just the, the 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 challenges that I had. Yeah, you t- you, it wasn't the same answer for each person, obviously. No. Exactly, and so you had to just give yourself a chance to explain it. Yes, and that was a really clever way to do it. Right? Yeah, it was really nice, mm-hmm. and um, yeah. So the piece I remember doing at the what's that place in Scotland, Edinburgh Festival. Yeah. Um, which is really good. Um, I've toured it a few places. I've done it in Brazil and in Washington, D.C. Um, and yeah, it's went down quite nice. Um, Washington was funny. Um, we have a Q&A at the end of it. Mm-hmm. And people kept on saying, wait, you turned the award down. I was like, Yes. Couple of minutes later, somebody else. Hang on. Um, wait, wait. <laughs> you, you turn the award down. The thing is, in America, when you get an award, yeah. you get money yeah. with the award. Yeah. yeah. But here, they're just trying to just palm you off with some flipping MBE as though we're going to flipping start going on our knees and begging the royal family for this squeeze. You know what I mean? That's like, um, it's like doing the job for, for someone for free because you get exposure. That. Bullshit. That bullshit. Yeah? Yeah. I got in contact with Benjamin Zephaniah. Amazing. Yeah. Who who made a film called No BE. Yeah. Because he was offered an OBE and he turned his one down. And he said he did he did some research and he said that all of the people like us mm. that were awarded MBEs, what happened to their careers after they got it? And he was saying, I can't see anything different about where they were to where they are now. The only difference is they've got an MBE. Yeah, it's the same path. Same path. They just took one little road and came back onto the normal one. And for me, I didn't, I'm not going to attribute any success in my career to having an MBE. No. I got an MBE because of what I was doing in my yeah. career. So and I suppose at the same time as well, it's not as if you're doing it for that. Well, you know, you're not doing it for that reason. You're doing it for your people, for the culture, for 
the people that are inquisitive and want to understand and know, yes. not to get this piece of paper or medal. And if it was about money, you probably wouldn't do it at all. You'd be doing I'd, something completely different. I'd be working in a bank. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. making real money. Yeah. Mm. You know? Yeah. So I think um, <clears throat> there needs to be some element of holding it down for the culture. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And some might say, yeah, well, you need to do these things to expose ourselves to more financial resources so we can improve the culture and this, that, and the other. I'm sorry. This culture doesn't need improvement from external financial sources. That's usually what kills the culture. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, um, other, other bits and experiences you've had over the years then because of this culture? Yes. Um, Travelling, dude. Yeah. I've been all over the world. Literally travelled the world because of this thing. Literally travelled the world because of this thing. Um, and, and it just doesn't stop. I mean, okay, so... This year alone, yeah. um, I've been to Australia, Sweden, Lux, no, not Luxembourg, Canada, Denver, uh, France, Holland, back and forth from going there tomorrow. Um, to be honest with you, that's all I can think of. But it's, it's a continuous thing. But it's continuous. It just does not stop. And this is pushing Breakers Convention everywhere, talks about the art form and yes. so on and so forth. Yeah. yeah. Literally, this Wednesday, I'm going to a place in North Holland called Leeuwarden. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be talking about um, the importance of hip-hop when talking about theatrical developments and stuff like that. Um, I'm going to be doing another panel discussion in La Rochelle mm-hmm. in France. Um, that's going to be coming up. Um, I'm doing uh, open art surgery, which is basically um, getting a group of hip-hop dancers together and sharing with them theatrical tools to make work. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be doing that in Malta, which wow. is going to be a buzz. Amazing. Um, and then I'm going to spend the rest of the year in South Africa yeah. um, for a good month that's where my wife is from so uh-huh. i'm gonna go back there look at kids and just chill brilliant and celebrate the the illegal weed environment. yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah they've legalized marijuana okay i don't know yeah what just all out or um just levels of privacy right? you, you're yeah. allowed to grow a plant Lovely. and smoke privately yeah amazing man so yeah, yeah, that's that's been really good. Um, but I think what's really important for me is uh, each one teach one. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, going forward, uh, my relationship with Sadler's Wars has been really good. Mm. They're opening a new theatre space in Stratford. Oh, wicked! Right opposite the Aquatic Centre. Yeah. Um, it's going to be a cultural quarter, which is going to feature the Royal College of. Art, I think. Yeah. No, Royal College of Fashion. Uh-huh. Um, the VMA. What? Um, and Sadler's Wells. Really? Build a new theatre there. But also with that, they're developing a choreographic development centre. And I propose that they do a hip hop school. There. Yeah. So we are. It's all agreed. And we are working towards creating a curriculum oh that's gosh. studying hip hop 
theatre. Mm. And I've been very clear about it because to do a hip-hop school is a very big, broad thing. Yeah. So I wanted to just fine-tune it, um, a hip-hop theatre school. Nonetheless, we're going to learn all of the elements. Yeah. We're, there's going to be classes in dance, yeah. MCing, music production and DJing, yeah. and graffiti. Brilliant, man. Uh, this, this is needed. Yeah. So needed. Yeah, yeah. The education system in this country, in many countries, is fucked. Absolutely. And the things that we've learned, this is needed. This sounds amazing. I thought you were going to say, I've had this idea and I've, I've put, it, put it to them and we'll see. The fact that you've got amazing it's so paper is is it's been written down Wowza. um and ultimately i mean anybody who's listening out there right now if you want to get involved please reach out to me Brilliant. you can find me john zd <laughs> you can find me there'll be links on the website the f24 website on his page as well to get hold of him, but yeah, holler at John Z and that, that sounds amazing, bro. So when was that being? That's a couple of years. Um, 22. 22, mm-hmm. wicked. That's a good good amount of time to plan then, man, and get everything structured. Um, and there was a big issue that we had in relation to um, structuring the course to fit within yeah. the established yeah. um, education system. Yeah. system. Problem with that, uh, and what it was, we would have, receive money to be able to do it yeah and also people would have been able to do it and not have to pay yeah unfortunately that ain't gonna work yeah um we we've all agreed that we need to create our own context for it yeah i mean yeah um and everybody's everybody all of the partners involved are doing really up for that um so between now and 21 all we're doing is working on curriculums Lovely. and looking at how the whole building is going to get funded. So, again, if there's anybody else out there that finds this exciting, <laughs> let me know. Someone to talk about there. Definitely, man. Jesus, man, what a journey. Yeah. I I am really thankful, man. And, and the thing that I'm most thankful for is the way in which this culture... It's like a gas. And the reason why I say it's like a gas is because any structure, yeah. if you just push, if you just blow the gas of hip-hop into that structure, it will just consume... Permeate and, everywhere. And permeate and, and make sense in that space. It's done so with theatre. It's obviously it's done so with music. Um, it's done so with graphic design. It's and done art. So with music, I mean everything. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It's come into the art world like in a, this last ten years. Some of these artists has been immense, right. immense for some of these people. Amazing, like watching you know, these canvases go for crazy. Man, I'm not really talking about Banksy, and that yeah. is a completely different world. I'm just like graffiti artists in general and their their rise. Mm. It's been amazing, especially in the UK, worldwide. But I've seen a lot happen in the UK, and you're right. It is. It's just it's seeping through. We're in such. The culture is so young still. I don't think we. I wonder whether we sit back and look. Well, we can't measure it against many other cultures because it's so young and so full and confusing. So many avenues and angles, and it becomes a mind state more than an action as well in some cases. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? People out there working in offices right now. Yeah not doing anything cultural as such, but it's their mind state that's hip-hop. Yes. It, it's everywhere. It's, I, I, it's going to be really nuts. I think next hundred years, looking back at this time, is going to be amazing. And 
being able to really quantify and see what this culture did, coming all the way from where it came from, on those small blocks in New York and Philly, to spread the way it's done. But let me ask you, though, um, don't you think that we are lucky because of the fact that we have TV and... Yeah, TV. Basically. Well, I think this is... It's part... We're a lucky culture in terms of the fact that we managed to grow at the same time as technology. That's helped us spread the message faster than anything else could. So no other culture, unfortunately, has had that opportunity. And, and actually, shifts in technology surely have gone with, for example, the turntable, yeah. aerosol. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? When did these things, when did these things first come about? Well, exactly. So aerosols from the, like the 50s. Right. It, and so the tool got used played about with, made, the, the, and then them young kids were like, I can use that. Right. We can reappropriate. Yeah. Mum and dad's record players were there. Yeah. And then they're hearing these beats and hearing someone in the park mix these two things together, juggling the same tracks that their parents got. Yeah. Oh, I can do that. Yeah. Yeah. So this appropriation that hip-hop does, I think, is absolutely amazing. Yeah. But I think we're in a, we were talking about history when you first got here. Like, the history of this culture, I think, is so integral and important and has to be looked after because... It's been great that we've grown with technology. Amazing. Amazing that I can chat to anyone in the world, within my culture, without knowing them, and say, yo, I'm hip-hop. Are you hip-hop? Brilliant. Let's go. It doesn't matter where they are. So if you're travelling worldwide because of this culture, that is brilliant. But <clears throat> if we don't handle this a bit more with kid gloves, we're going to lose the history and the essence. If you don't talk about, and if we don't get these stories about what it was like before NWA. Yeah. If we don't hear that and we don't see it, we don't see the photos and have the written testaments and the, the recording, recorded conversations, if we don't get that, we're not going to know it again in 50 years. That's right. It's going to go. And it was such a small amount of time, but so important yes. because those few years, which then changed the way music went, yes. inspired you to become who you are. Yes. How are we going to know where John Z came from? We're not going to know. And I, I see it all the time with graffiti as well. And it's great that we can see pieces from all over the world on our phones in the palm of my hand. I haven't got to wait a month or three months for a magazine. I haven't got to wait for someone to post me photos. Brilliant, I can see it now. But please don't tell me this is our archive. Because this is owned by a company. It's not owned by us. It's a company that could just turn that off whenever they fucking feel like. And then what do we do? And that's, we're in a very interesting time in this culture. I feel incredibly lucky for when I was born into it because I didn't know anything before hip-hop. I was born into hip-hop, pretty yes. Born in 1980, by the time I'd become aware of the world in 89, 90, hip-hop was alive, hip alive and kicking straight away for me to just grab. The cake's completely baked. Yes, yes. You know what I mean? It's all there. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm so glad I got to see what I saw in the... can't really say the 80s. I saw graffiti in the 80s, but really hip-hop from the 90s. I'm so happy I got to see it. And then being involved with it since then has been great as well. But I'm, I feel very precious about it. I, I totally hear you. And I think my biggest worry and fear is the way in which <clears throat> rap has become the voice yeah. of hip hop. Yeah. Um, and in, the predominant voice. Yeah. yeah. And as an MC myself, mm -hmm. um, I can say that some some rap has become toxic for this culture. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, 
So much so that people are, aren't even looking at the connection between hip-hop and grime. Yeah, example, yeah, yeah. You know? um, there's a clear broken lineage that that's happened. And yeah, and, and I don't, I'm not sure how it's going to be healed. I, I think I think history's got to do it for us. Mm. I think by documenting these cultures properly, mm. we 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 won't in our generation won't mm. fix that. Mm. But if we document properly, someone else will. Yeah. Because they'll have all the information to do it and be able to see the lineage and to see, oh look, there's the missing cable. Just plug yeah. that one back together and we've got the full story. Yeah. We can't do it because we're in it. Yes. But you know, the, the lyrics thing, well, I think you said it earlier, you know. TV killed the radio star. When that happened, it changed everything. It it made it about the image and not about the thought and the sound. And the the content as well. Yeah, the content. I I keep questioning. I'm not on the side of YouTube or Spotify in terms of shutting people down in their music, but I, I am questioning people's lyrics. And I'm wondering... People keep saying to me about gigs and how come he just talks to stories and lets people know and he's not promoting anything. But I, I listened to his album again yesterday and I'm sorry. He's not just talking the stories. He's telling people to be... And he's not literally telling people to be armed and strapped, but he's basically saying, if that man looks at you like that, slap him. Yeah. I can't... I, I'm sorry, I don't like that. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, I love the swaggering hip-hop helped me grow up as a kid it gave me the confidence and made me understand you've got something in you you can stand up and do it for yourself and alright I, I took some fuel from hip hop to get through my fights and that mm. but we cannot deny the fact that these lyrics are doing something to our kids Yeah, we can't deny it and I, I've chatted to rappers about this and they they don't palm me off they come with a real good legit answer and I'm with them pretty much 100% but there are some things I'm just like how can you justify this because we don't need to be talking like this I'm not out there painting my whatever beliefs they are. Mm. I'm painting, I paint pieces of art. Mm. You know, I'm not, I, I won't paint guns and knives on the wall. I won't paint naked women. I won't paint like anything religious. I won't highlight anything negative in my mm. paintings. It's got to be pure love and pr- like promote greatness. You know, I, I hear you. It's a question one, though. I'm not. One, one of the greatest um, MCs from back in the day. Um, I mean, not necessarily the greatest MC, but just Ice. Yeah. He, everybody knows he's a bad man. Yes. He's a gangster. Mm. But he never used to rap mm. about that stuff. No. He used to rap about conscious positivity mm. because that's what you should be telling and your people. Yeah, and to be honest, I don't mind if it's not a constant positive sound and it's mm. a constant elevation. Mm-hmm. But I love the way J. Cole's doing it and Kendrick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, and many others around that. Yes. You know, I love that. Yeah. And I, I love the mad storytelling of, of MF Doom. Yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. There is so much more there. Absolutely. Why is this being highlighted? And why are we... I, I don't get this thing, man. Like, this male, like, egotistical, I'm better than you notion. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't have to run all the time. I'm, yes. And, and, and we need to, we need to look at us as men yeah. and our responsibility. What would this hashtag Me Too generation yeah. start? It's highlighted very pertinent, serious yeah. things about yeah. our relationship to women. Yeah. Did you see and my son talk the other day? No. What was that? 
my son, I don't know if you know of him, he's a New York rapper, but he's an activist and he's amazing. M-Y-S-O-O-N-E. Amazing guy. Real activist. But he says exactly that. He talks about the Me Too movement. He says, listen, man, we've got to stand up as men and understand that we took the fucking piss. We have to address it. We're not, we're not, not guilty. Mm. Men are guilty of this. We know, just address it. We don't have to crumble and, mm. you know, no, it's mm. fine. Not fine. I don't mean it's fine. Yeah, yeah. Let's address this and move address forward. It. Yeah. Address it, move forward, um, address it, maybe take some steps back even, do yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, And let some of the women take that step yeah, forward and take some much leadership needed. positions, much you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, because, you know, I think, okay, so chatting to, Call Herc back in the day, yeah. Okay. Um, this was when I was in the Bronx um, a few years back for some um, hip hop day in a, in a college up there. Mm-hmm. But I remember meeting Cindy Campbell, Call Herc's sister. Right. Okay. Yeah. And she was the one that organised the parties. Yeah. Call Herc spun at the parties. She was the one that was sat down with her friends creating these little handwritten flyers, each of them totally independent of the next one, just to get the information out. She was the one that basically produced these early hip-hop parties, yeah? For me, to not acknowledge her as one of the founders of hip-hop is wrong. Completely. Her name should be there as much. I've never heard that, you know, not once. In my 20-something years of this culture, I've never heard that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, going back to rap lyrics and stuff like that. Mm. Um, I love gigs, by the way. I really do. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I I love the music, but I'm old enough to be able to, you know, com- yeah. compartmentalize it and and make a demand for more different voices, basically. Yeah. Different voices within the culture. Yeah. There are loads of voices. Yeah. So after watching the film Thirteen. Yeah. Um, by Ava DuVernay. Yeah, on Netflix, I watched it. Dude, I was just like, we are getting played, played when we start doing this violent, thug, criminal, yes. so-called reality. Because one, it's not our reality. Yeah. Until we make it a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. And then once you realise that our criminalisation or or images of us celebrating criminalisation. All we're doing is we're going to jail. That's it. I mean, it's it's this not a sh- it's not a shortcut. Hip hop to me is a shortcut. If you get on the right vibe on it and you work it well, it can. It's it's a cheat code to life. And I get that we're meant to speak our truths and honesty, and it's what I love about it. Mm-hmm. The historical re- references and values and all of that. But we are surely some of us are. We're, yeah, we're playing into the whole idea of what it's meant to be, but of what they want it to be. Yeah. Like, and yes, it's hip hop has come out of the gutter and has come out of the way. It didn't come out of Kensington. No. Do you know what I mean? It didn't come out of Chelsea. No. It came out of Hackney. It came yeah. out of you know Kilburn. It came yeah. out of New York. Yeah. So yes, those places are quite dangerous and they are wild and you know crazy. But I, I just don't understand why we have to keep telling the story. Of uh, man vs man, yeah. I don't understand it, and I, I get why we had to have it because it's part of life, mm. definitely. And I, I'd even get why it'd be part of 
music in general is a, it could be a, a part of the tree you've got love songs you've yeah. got this songs that they're, they're yeah. cool yeah. you know the, the man and man fight you're cool but there's a it's a it's bigger than a genre yeah. and this shit gets played on radio yeah, yeah. It, it just baffles me man I love my culture to bits and, I, and I've said it before the swagger and the, the violence and the things like that they've carried me through those streets of Kilburn many times yeah. and thank god I had that voice in my head to say nah Degon you can take it I do need that. We all need that in some sense to help us survive, but it's gone a bit wild. I'm not blaming these rappers for what's going fully on in the streets because society is to blame for that. Yeah. I'm not taking that away. I, I definitely wouldn't blame the rappers, but what I would look at is um, why are we not hearing the success stories? Mm. Mm. Why are we not hearing about those guys from the hood? Mm. that have done well do yeah. you know what I mean why yeah. is it constantly um, looking at our cri- and the only time we do do well is why some criminal activity mm. which is some bullshit why is that always the one that gets highlighted I was with two amazing youth workers yesterday in South London mm. I wanted to hug them both when I left the building man. I was mm. just like you've been in here how long you've been doing this for how long You're, you've had how many cuts right. you, and you've managed to open the doors again you are the best people. Mm-hmm. You are the best people. Yeah, yeah. Saving that area yeah. for twenty plus years. Mm. It's like, there's that's the story. I know. Right, cool. It may not be an exciting song. It, it's not that. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I don't know. It's a. It's a. Yeah. I love my culture to bits. I just get very confused by it sometimes. Well, I think that we have to. Okay, so that was the whole reason why I first started doing stuff mm. because I didn't like what was happening in my culture. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, and I would say to anybody out there, the key. that is how you're going to empower yourselves. Yeah. If you look at the scenario and you can see what's wrong with it, then you make it right. Yeah. And especially, especially well, if it's, it could either be super hard work to make it right, but you very well might be inspired. Mm. You have to do it. To make it right, you have to step up. Yeah. It's, a, it's your duty as a member of the, the culture. Yeah. That's what we're meant to be doing every step of the way. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing, man. Listen, Dodzy, I'm not going to take your time too much, man. I'm going to get on that flight tomorrow, I know. Mate, have a mad busy afternoon. It's an absolute pleasure. I'm so Thank happy you for this. Thank you for inviting me down. Um, it's great to see you. you know what I mean, I love the fact that you've got this space running and I'm not going to tell anybody where this building is there's <laughs> a lot of really good stuff in here that nobody needs to know about <laughs> wicked man brother it's amazing to have you here good perspective thank you Z. well that's another one in the can stacking stories over here dope conversation hey I loved it it was really broad and we hit quite a few topics within the culture and society which was great Another one of our soldiers out there flying the flag of art for us, eh? I was telling Johnsy about my notion of art never losing battles. He gave me an inquisitive look, held the silence for a minute and agreed. He understands it. Big up Johnsy for coming round. Thank you, brother. I'm doing a couple of recordings next week, one of which will be up for your listening pleasure next Friday. Make sure you go and check us out all over the place. We've got f24podcast.com up now. That's where all the recordings are and there's photos from each interviewee. And also we're on all streaming services, iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Mixcloud, all of that stuff. Well, pretty much anyway. Instagram and Twitter at F24 Podcast. 
Listen, I'll catch you all soon. It's been another hectic week and I've got a busy end of week. So I'm going to go. Love your city and love your culture. This is F24.